0: They have you know explained even to themselves that uh, why they actually do that and
1: many times also several um several editions are in the same attack because they, you have can have five different point of views about the same yeah attack. Of, of course
0: but what we've seen that uh, since two thousand and fourteen since' age seventeen. We saw that the first day we hit the military airplane. Then they say, uh no, our uh someone, I don't know, like uh, someone from the pilot tower was uh watching something else. Then they say it was uh, uh the Ukrainian missile. Then they say it was something else. We saw that already. And uh, by the way, it was inconsequential for Russia. They were not punished for that. And here we go. Thank you, Olga.
2: Thank you, Olga. I got a question where I'm very curious about what you thought and, and what you think and what, what you've seen since. Um, so a few weeks ago, uh, Europe, Ukraine got candidate status for accession to the European Union. Right? Obviously, everyone was very happy about that. Um, not uh, not people to the east of Ukraine; they hate everything. But um, you know, sensible, normal people, and I'm guessing the vast, vast majority of Ukrainians were very happy about that. Um, very quick question first. How did you perceive it? How, you know, how, how much of a positive thing did you find that to be? Uh,
0: well, <laughs> the, uh, the, the thing is that uh, the news that Ukraine gets high mercies stole the show. It was more celebration about uh, getting some decent weapon than about uh, EU candidacy. We appreciate that extremely, of course. Uh, But, um, well, at this point, it's just uh, a manifestation of support, which, uh, and then, uh, you know, many countries, look at the Balkans, Um, they are the candidates forever, for like, for a decade. And not much comes with that. So, it's nice to be an EU candidate, very nice. But otherwise, high mercies are much nicer at this point. We will we will celebrate our candidacy uh, when the war is over, and we'll be like, oh my goodness, we're EU candidate! Look at that.
2: So the reason why I asked you about this is because what you were saying about the job offers in Constanza and and Galace, um, among other right, and you said that. They're looking for Ukrainians to help with sort of humanitarian efforts and the like. So what I was really wondering is, um, I was expecting that, you know, once Ukraine gets candidate status for the EU, that's going to be another, let's say, positive signal uh, to private enterprises who are looking forward, who are looking at Ukraine after victory and after peace is broken out, right? Uh,
0: Yeah, we expect many companies uh, emerging here with the European money, but for now, nobody is insane to invest uh, in the country which is at war. Exactly.
3: We're, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. we're seeing, we're, we're seeing uh, um, UN is supposed to open its uh, humanitarian hub uh, in Odessa and also some internet, other international organizations are hiring, like the Red Cross uh, from whatever the German branch or something. So there are jobs for language professionals, obviously. Uh, they do not pay as generously as we could expect that but that's the other thing Um, and uh, yeah but uh, we will see more I guess when the war is over and when we will have to uh, rebuild the country that would be the time to uh, not only show the support through besides everything else I mean (laughs) besides the military support of course and financial and everything we get we wouldn't survive so far without the international support that's obvious, everyone knows that Um, but I mean uh, speaking about EU candidacy um, that's well would be the way to demonstrate not only that's where the candidate formally but also that we're somewhere taking steps towards uh, joining the EU and of course, I understand, um, I don't know, it would be weird if Ukraine joins the EU before the Balkans, yeah? So they fir- they come first, then Ukraine and Moldova. And besides, just to mm, I realize that uh, Ukraine is a big country with so many problems at this point, like unimaginable level of uh, issues, including in- infrastructure and all, all kinds of things. Uh, and it's much easier to deal with some smaller issues you know like in albania and montenegro and uh like three million people overall then to deal and to try to uh, pull up ukraine to the minimum levels of eu requirements in terms of uh, all kinds of things economically infrastructurally etc we're 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 not uh in oblivion of that so we're Truly grateful, but we realize it's just a very nice gesture.
2: Yeah, I, I, was, I was more wondering, you know, if if there if you had seen any uh, non humanitarian aimed um, you know enterprises outside of Ukraine, you know, be it in Romania or Poland or anywhere in the West, who might be, you know, hiring, looking out for um, you know Ukrainian professionals at this point, looking forward, looking to the time after the war, uh, maybe is a little bit of a trigger. With this vote of confidence, having uh, 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 no,
0: having I wasn't particularly. <laughs> I wasn't particularly looking for a job. You know, maybe if I looked closer, then probably I would have seen more. But no.
2: Thank you, Olga. Thank you for um, entertaining my uh, my silly question. Um, Alex, you you came up about twenty minutes ago. If you have uh, any questions for Olga, I think you you can feel free to go ahead maybe Alex is still tired from those seven flights of stairs he had to climb earlier. I'm just joking, I don't know how many flights of stairs it was. Uh, uh,
0: thank you for your attention. I unfortunately I have to go. Uh, so, well, be seeing you.
2: Thank you so much for coming up, Olga. Thank you. And it was, uh, it was great to hear from you again uh, after, after a long time. I'm glad that you are you know, reasonably well under the circumstances and hope to hear from you again soon. So, Spring, earlier today, we were talking a little bit about uh, how certain things would be or were covered in uh, the Portuguese and Spanish press. Um, What what do you reckon were the biggest highlights as to their coverage of Ukraine?
1: The biggest highlights, I already spoke with um, Olga and with um, uh, Bertrand. That was, it's the drag. The main reports nowadays are the wildfires that are getting insane, but uh, afterward comes right away. Ukraine and the situation in Ukraine and the situation in the in the Italian government it's, uh, it crosses all the Latin countries except uh, Ukraine that uh, sorry except uh, Romanian that I haven't checked and I'm not sure if I can be able to read it's something that I have to practice probably but in terms of um, what is the main things um it's Russia it intensifies attacks with missiles. It's ordered by the Russian Minister of Defense. We can see that they have it intensified because they are shelling all over Ukraine. Unfortunately, um, the crisis in Italy and um, the, the 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 oh, but I have some minor question, minor news that are actually quite interesting because it's um unbelievable first of all it's our russian behavior it's um four weeks now russia has been reporting the death of uh, several portuguese combating in the uh, foreign religion and the portuguese for foreign affairs minister has to come out and deny it, it no one was dead it's insane and um,
2: how many did Russia say that? How many Portuguese did they say they killed? Two hundred and fifty or something? No, they usually inflated no. like that.
1: No, for the time being, it's five or six. I don't know because I haven't been adding them, because uh, today came again that one was uh, reported that by the, the the Russia Federation and the Portuguese uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs was saying, no, no way, no one has been killed. Otherwise, we would have. Uh, got the information, and it's insane. Um, another curious was that Gazprom is still asking Siemens to deliver that famous turbine. Did you know that? Yep,
2: yeah, yeah. I saw earlier today they put another one. Maybe this is yesterday they put another card on Twitter saying they formally request from Siemens to please give it back. And where the hell is it? And because this is essential for the operation of something or other, some station on Nord Stream 1. Uh, I'm very confused as to where it is, but I heard something about there being parliamentary procedure started in Canada that might block its shipment altogether. It's very confusing. I have no idea what the status is.
1: And then I got um, two other news that I thought uh, three other news. One is uh, the famous Irina Sheikh, that was the former girlfriend of Cristiano Ronaldo that put a salad, a Russian salad with Z. that she's having um, enormous criticised all over the internet. And because she's an international figure, she has been strongly criticised. Now she came out saying that uh, uh, a salad is just a salad, something like that, very insane.
2: That's amazing. Okay. Any, and there's a. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think I vaguely... Basically... I'm vaguely aware of her existence, but that's about it. Um, and uh, the, the last one before we go to Daniel and to John. Yes, it's
1: so. Uh, some two, one. Uh, one is very nice because I think it's amazing how people can, and we should keep faith in humankind. But, but some of them is some problems too for the refugees in Latvia with small children first start to find job and second the social security pays only 109 euros it's uh, around the same problem as in portugal the authorities are not helping enough but i can guess that latvia doesn't have many means in any case the nice um, and uh, the nice news and i think it was really nice this one it's in Ciudad real in spain a small group of ukrainian refugees is helped by the local population in paying electricity, water and internet. And they give them, each family, 600 euros per month too. So it's solidarity. It's great to see that.
2: Thank you, Spring. That is great to see. Um, I think Danny and then John picked up on some of the bits that you were mentioning. Uh, Danny, go ahead. Thank you.
4: Yeah, I just wanted to uh, comment on what Spring was saying, that she, she doesn't really know what's in the news in Romania, but I can help fill that gap a little bit. And uh, I can tell you that Ukraine is in every news cycle. There's a story related to Ukraine. So it's still being reported. Of course, it's, uh, we have a common border, so it's very close to us compared to, let's say, Portugal. Uh, but there's, of course, di- uh, a diversity of angles from which news, are, news is being presented from Ukraine. There's very clear... Um, very uh, clear uh support from some outlets which are very pro-ukrainian but you also see some other outlets that are kind of parroting some of the headlines that come in from the kremlin um to which some of them i suspect they're doing that because they want to reflect the views from the kremlin uh, others that it's uh, just lazy journalism that they're uh, uh just checking their sources and whatever the source says, they report uh, as if uh, they're quoting and uh, not making any commentary. So uh, it, it's quite obvious that uh, Romania has had uh, uh, influence in Russian agents since forever uh, in Romania. Um, for the past 30 years, we still have uh, people embedded that either do it uh, because they're being paid to do it or others that just uh, have their convictions uh aligned with uh Russia. Uh it's a consequence of being uh, so Soviet satellite state for so many years. Um but there are there's always uh, people in the comments ready to combat uh Russian propaganda. I'm seeing a lot of a lot of uh, troll activity as well. Uh, very obviously fake accounts created in uh um, a couple of days ago that just copy-paste the same messaging. Um, there's also an article that I read recently about uh, fake news and how these Russian trolls are active in uh, fa- Facebook groups or other social media spaces across the uh, entirety of the Eastern Europe. So that's pretty relevant. Um, and uh, yeah, so, uh, so that for the, from that part of things, it's still being reported, it's still in the news. Um, it's just... Uh,
5: some outlets are
4: leaning towards Kremlin, some others, the majority, I think, are pro-Ukraine, pro so that's
1: good. Thank you, Danny. Thanks,
2: Danny. Uh, th- thanks for that uh, view oh, as well. I
4: have, I have yeah. another comment, just to what, what Spring was saying. Uh, the, the identical messaging came out of the Kremlin about Romanian mercenaries. So it's not just the Portuguese that are being targeted. All countries are being targeted. There was a list published uh, a few weeks ago by the Kremlin um, touting some mercenary numbers. So presenting it as fact, there's 500 Romanian mercenaries, yada, yada, yada. Uh, they gave a number to every country. So they just uh, presented zero sources, zero, zero proof of anything, of course. And uh, they've also...
2: Danny, did the Russians do his internet? Okay, that's a yes. Okay, I'm gonna move Danny down. But I will also note that I believe that um, Canada has lost about seven admirals by now in Ukraine. So, you know, if you trust Russian sources, um, obviously they haven't. But it's amusing that Russians keep claiming that uh, all these foreign countries are losing all, sor- all sorts of people. Anyway, uh, let's go to Denjon and then m Welcome back. John. Oh, sorry. Wait wait a second. John, Danny just got back. Danny, you, you cut out, just as you were saying, that uh, there's 500, that, that Russia was listing a number for every country. Right. Yeah. It's all nonsense. Okay. Uh,
4: the, the, what I said after that was that recently, a couple of days ago, they reported that they killed 21 Romanian mercenaries, uh, which, of course, they presented again zero proof of. And our, um, our MOD has commented on it, saying that, it's, of course, it's propaganda. It never happened. There's no proof of it. We can't verify the information. Uh, and we know that Ukraine doesn't have dual citizenship. So it's very possible that Romanian ethnic people that are in Ukraine and have a Romanian sounding name uh, were fighting in Ukraine because they live there. And of course, they, they're soldiers themselves. And uh, somehow that information is being uh, picked up and used as propaganda because uh, somebody named uh, Popescu, which is a very common Romanian last name, has died on the front and they can find their passport. Which, of course, is an Ukrainian passport, but they're reporting it as uh, Romanian mercenaries just so they can pump up their uh, propaganda. So that's it.
2: Thanks, Danny. Yeah, there's about well, half a million or something, quarter of a million, maybe quarter of a million Romanians right, around in, in, around those in Ukraine, right? So it's, it's quite a significant, and of course, some will be uh, involved in the fighting
3: in the East and the South. Dendron. Uh, oh, ah, yes. So, yeah, you actually cover this uh, topic. Uh, so uh, two days ago, it was reported that five Swedes were killed in, in Ukraine. And uh, I mean, this is, uh, I think they tried to emulate what happened during the Iraq and, um, well, the Afghan war, where a lot of foreigners actually were, uh, were killed. And there was some outrage in the campus. But now I, I don't think it's not the same situation. So even if it was true, it wasn't, wouldn't be any outrage. Definitely not. Maybe even more motivation to to crush them, because that has to be done.
2: Okay. Precisely. Thank you, then, John. And for Russia, it's a big, you know, domestic propaganda stunt as well, uh, launching this out into the ether, um, as per usual. Em.
3: There we go.
6: Yes, I'm here. Um... First of all, apologies, a phone call came in, so I don't know if anyone asked any questions, but I'm here, I'm back. Secondly, uh, regarding any coverage in the media, this is a little bit of a devil's advocate approach. Ukraine is on the right side of history. Ukraine has a righteous cause. We know that the real nuclear weapon being deployed in this war, in this illegal, unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, is Russian disinformation.
2: And we know that. Um, M, will you check? M? Okay. Spring, have I lost M? Yes,
1: I think so. Okay,
2: I'll, uh, I'll
3: let him know. Well, you are here. Just a short note to this uh, so-called mercenaries and the numbers which Russia is publishing. I think it's quite interesting. At, at the same time, they uh, say how wide support Ukrainians are getting from all over the world, and the the higher the n- numbers are, given the, the I would how would I say, the more they show that uh, the the world is on Ukrainian side. Yeah. I don't know why they actually publish those numbers and what's the purpose, but that's another uh, thing. What can be read from the figures which they publish. Thank you.
2: That's a great point as well. Thank you. Em, um, carry on. sir. your audio cut out, so I had to drop you from speaker space.
6: No worries. Mic check.
2: Loud and clear. All right, great.
6: So first of all, apologies. I had a phone call coming in, so that's why I dropped. I don't know if I had any questions, but I'm here. I'm back. Secondly, and this is uh, a little bit of a devil's advocate approach. We know that Ukraine is on the right side of history. We know that this is an illegal and an unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. And we know that some journalists, knowingly or unknowingly, will cover all talking points being put out there officially by any government uh, throughout uh, this crisis. Now, I think we've reached a point where we are also confident in dealing with whatever is being put out there by whomever. We've seen the success of writing to elected officials, writing to elected politicians, writing to any official government, agency, electorate, parliament, to express support for Ukraine, to express support for Ukrainian demands for aid to fight off this illegal invasion. And we can all take a step back, breathe, and read whatever is being put out there by whomever, criticize it, deconstruct it, agree to the real and the true pieces of it, completely disagree and reject with the false pieces of it, make informed positions, informed opinions, hold informed positions, fight for them, push them, and get results on the ground of reality. So we know that the real nuclear weapon being deployed in this crisis, is Russian disinformation. And after so many days, so many weeks, and so many months of consuming, deconstructing, and rejecting that disinformation, I think listeners of this space, I think many, many hundreds, thousands, and millions of users of the internet can recognize when a news outlet or A private media channel, or a Twitter account, or a Facebook page, or whatever, fill in the blanks, is putting out a false narrative, is putting out Russian talking points, knowingly or unknowingly, we can confidently deconstruct them, we can confidently call a spade a spade, we can confidently counter them, prove with numbers, with facts, that they are false. Sorry for the train. That's a one happy trigger, uh, trigger-happy Egyptian engineer. So yeah, we can, we can counter this right now, right? And I think that all of us are beyond uh, communication fatigue. I think that all of us at this point, the best thing we can do is to confidently continue to deconstruct and reject any false talking points, any false facts, any falsification in any form Any narrative, right, being pushed down our throats or being presented as something that comes from, quote unquote, a place of concern. And that is the real power of what we've been doing over the last hours, days, weeks, and months. And I think it's about time right now that we actually start wielding this power, like Axel says, stoically, calmly, and continue to deconstruct those narratives and continue to reject them without the need to attack certain persons, without the need to attack certain organizations. Granted, some of them, they need to to be out, right? So when you have the proper information, when you have the proper transparency, when you have the proper background information on some people putting out those uh, talking points, call them out. But otherwise, it will be more productive if you calmly reject any falsehood being pushed your way. Just say no, this is wrong, because I know that the facts are one, two, three. No, this is wrong, because this opinion disregarded one, two, three points of view. No, I reject this, because this theory didn't take into consideration the historical facts one, two, three, and so on and so forth. So I think we've reached a point where no one is afraid of standing up calmly and politely to say no I don't want to attack my own government I don't want to attack my own politician I don't want to attack my own official I don't want to attack my own training mission I don't want to do this I I don't want to do that I want to support Ukraine and in order for me to support Ukraine I will continue to take in whatever is being put out by whoever analyze it by myself for myself and reject any false hoots that I see as falsehoods.
2: Thank
7: you. Well said,
2: mate. am do you want to keep talking about uh, uh, the media and uh, various narratives that get injected, or uh, would you uh, care for some other other content as well? Up to you. Okay, I think we have a bunch of people who uh, have other stuff to say. I works too. Uh, let's start with Dani, uh, and then go on to... Uh, I don't know what the order was. I think it was Kafteli, then John Slav. I don't know. Give me a second. Let's good. And back up. Um, Danny, feel free to go ahead in the meantime.
4: Thanks. I just wanted to make a few comments about the nature of fake news. And uh, I wanted to just to do an exercise. So uh, let's take as a baseline the fact that there are roughly 8 billion people on the planet. So that means that out of 8 billion people, 4 billion, which is half, would be of uh, above average intelligence or education or uh, ability to understand the planet and uh, what's going on around them and that means the other half of the other 4 billion is made out of people below that average below the average of intelligence uh, below the average of uh, capability to understand the world around them so that means there's 4 billion people more susceptible to fake news than others uh, and that is a huge it's a huge pool of people of course not all of those 4 billion are easily implementable by any topic so that's that's where the insidious part comes in um you you only have to launch several versions of fake news to reach that audience that means uh let's say the first bit of fake news is that ukraine are all nazis that will not resonate with the, the four billion people but it will resonate with a fraction of them and they will believe that fake news and they will propagate it to others next you want to launch another lie the fact that nato is the one that started this war and uh, uh, Russia had no choice but to attack it. and again it will not resonate with all the 4 billion people but it will resonate with a bunch of them and they will spread it onwards and uh, next you launch another lie that it's the uh, West who's pushing uh, LGBT uh, rhetorics, uh and that's why Ukrainians are evil and that's why they need to be exterminated and uh, you you name the, the next conspiracy because it doesn't matter how ridiculous it is or how uh, much it it doesn't sound right or how much it defies any logic, you will find people uh, that are incapable of separating that from reality, and uh, they will think it is fact, and that's why it's much easier to launch and distribute fake news than it is to actually um, combat it. So uh, that was my kind of idea of uh, my understanding of it. Thanks, Danny.
6: Um Yeah, quick follow-up. A couple of days ago, sadly, uh, this is a very bad example, but uh, Danny, do you mind uh, muting your mic? Thank you. Uh, I think it was a Brazilian anesthetist who was abusing uh, pregnant women delivering or receiving C-section. I will not describe the abuse, but he got caught because his colleagues installed a camera in the OR and managed to catch him in the act, and he confessed, and he's going to go to jail, etc., etc., uh, so the video, which is from Brazil, has been making the rounds on WhatsApp in Egypt 48 hours. And people have been freaking out, thinking that it was an Egyptian anesthetist actually carrying out those acts because of the uh, physical similarities between the doctor and how most Egyptian men look like. A quick search using the word anesthetist and abuse would tell you that this was happening in Brazil. So, yes, it's very, very, very difficult to counter disinformation, but it's also very, very, very easy. The main problem is that the Russians are relying on linguistic barriers. And that's why they have shifted their disinformation campaign from targeting the West to targeting other countries. The Economist has a really good article on that. Other research institutes have really good articles on that as well. They're available to read. Uh, they're not behind any uh, paywalls. So I would urge everyone to look into that as well. It, it's, it's hard, but it's also quite easy. If you know which keywords to search for, and if you know a couple of tricks when it comes to reverse uh, Google image searches and reverse video searches, right? And when it comes to trying to find out whether the video or the photo that is posted right now is not old or is not from a different country. And I know that it is hard to ask everyone to double-check every single piece of information they come across online. The premise of driving a car is that you know that other drivers know the rules of the road. They know when to give way, they know how to drive safely, and they have a minimum level of respect for human life and say, I think it's about time right now that we all say it out loud that if you're using the Internet, then you have a responsibility before you share, right? The United Nations, many governments put out so many media and Internet and digital literacy campaigns out there to tell people before you share something, before you share any content, right? Try to check who put it out. When did they put it out? Where did it come from? Why was it put out online in the first place? This has become the basic level of online decency and courtesy. The same way you have agitated drivers, you have road rage, you have good drivers, you have poor drivers, etc., etc. We will not ban the internet. We will not ban cars. We will not ban driving. But we have to continue to urge people to think for themselves, because that's the right thing to do, right? We want democracies, we want freedom, and therefore a responsibility comes with those two great powers. In a democracy, you have to vote. And in order for you to vote, you have to have an informed political opinion. And in order for you to have an informed political opinion, you have to observe the decorum and the protocol of acquiring good information and double-checking where that information is coming from it is no longer the role of counterintelligence divisions and intelligence communities to safeguard human beings you don't want babysitters we're not going to babysit you you have your smartphone you have your internet connection you have your freedoms you have your amendments you have your responsibility so right now the roles are turning in a way And that's the paradigm shift that is happening in intelligence communities all over the world. And the UK intelligence community has been the fastest one to respond to this challenge. How to operate in the age of social media and how to inform citizens to protect themselves and also aid services in the age of social media and digital communications without asking everyone and anyone to snitch or to be too paranoid. Just make the right call. Just be calm enough. Don't get too stimulated. Don't get too excited. Oh my God, if you want to, you know, you can get too excited by a Ducati bike photo for all I care. But if you read some, you have to stop. Before you click share, whether you are concerned, afraid, happy, uh, gloating even, or want to prove a political point, that's your responsibility right now in this point at this point in time and space and people have to accept it there's no other way around because there is no way there is absolutely no way that anyone hundreds thousands even millions are going to police eight billion people it's not going to work like that the only way for it for it to work is to tell people that they have a responsibility that they have a duty to double check they have a duty to think for themselves the state is not going to be your babysitter the the state is actually asking for your help and your help matters and your help makes a difference. And in fact, the Russian talking point has always been that or the line has always been that you don't make a difference. You don't matter. But you know what? You matter and you can make a difference. And it's all in your hand. Reject cynicism and accept your responsibility and accept engagement. And
2: that's it.
3: Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was very well said. I think uh, what is needed is some—I don't know what the what the governments can provide—is uh, you know civics uh, education uh, around this, I guess. Uh, anyway, I mean, I, um, actually, why I raised my hand was uh, I, I, there was just a rumor that um, uh, that Ukraine might get uh, you know Swedish fighter planes. So I'm I'm obviously Swedish. I'm a little bit interested. Uh, so I, I just want to. Uh, Has anyone heard about that? Uh, I I probably know that they're not going to get it like next week. But has anyone heard about that? And uh, also, would it be, you know, any good for them? Maybe Axel can answer that.
2: I've only heard about the archers and not the gripens. I'm sure they'd be good for them. I
7: Archers, yes, Gripen. I have not heard any discussion on that. Fair link because uh, I'd be delighted. I know that there was a, dis- I know that there was a radio discussion about the Gripen recently.
3: Uh, a friend of mine highlighted this, but more I have not
7: heard. Yeah. Uh, uh, it,
3: it, if I can just say something, I, I think they were about. Uh, well, there was talks about it around 2014 that they they should buy them, by then. I don't know if it's something that's just spilled over. I don't know. Yeah,
7: no, no, that, that's true. And, and a few weeks ago, seemingly on on radio in Sweden, there was a long discussion as to whether the Greek and should just be simply given to the Ukrainians uh, on a leap. Did you hear this as well? Yeah, that, that's
3: that's what I heard. I I, I can't remember where I heard it, uh, or if I read it here on Twitter or somewhere. I, I can't remember. I, I've been away for, for a week now, so I haven't really been switched on. So I can't remember where where I got it from. Well,
7: Obviously, in Estonia, we have a lot of people who, uh, for various professional reasons and uh, cultural reasons, follow Swedish media. I would have to check with uh, someone on Monday. I can't reach the person prior to Monday, but I can check on Monday because I think there was a radio discussion about this with a couple of very serious people, as some of the Swedes tend to be, as you know. Uh, It's a serious nation those who make fun of others sorry it's a very serious nation with people and uh i think there was a radio discussion about three weeks ago about this matter Well, we should find out
3: i'll uh, sure i'll look into it great uh, w- w- one correction no not correction we we are one step behind the journalists on that uh, correctness and serious yeah
7: you have definitely a different sense of humor and a charming one at that i don't i don't mind
2: but then again serious mate. cheers that is to say, they do have a sense of humor. Um, Kavteli, jump oh, back up. Oh, 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 oh. I mean, it is different, right? It's a significant difference. Um, Kavteli, okay, there we go. I'm just gonna call on Kavteli. Nope, jump back down again. Okay, let's see. Let's see when we can get Kavteli up. Let's go to Prince in the meantime. Prince.
5: Good morning, Domen. Good morning, Axel. Hey, Axel. Do we have a speaker coming up today?
7: Yes, we do. Sorry, I had to run back to the phone. Yes, we do. In 45 minutes. You want to talk about him?
5: Oh, he's uh, Sergio Olmos. He is a freelance journalist and he is in Ukraine right now. And uh, he actually happens to be from Portland, where I'm from, which is how I uh, know who he is. And I'm sort of excited about it. And I just uh, hadn't seen his card shared on uh the Walter Report account yet, so I wanted to just come up and say, hey, we got a speaker coming up and uh, a, a guest coming up so that uh, people start getting the word out that we're going to have a guest. That's all I wanted to do real quick. And I just want to say, M, thank you so much for the things you said because it was really, really good stuff to hear. So, thank you.
2: My pleasure, ma'am. Yeah, he's um Okay, we'll try to get someone to uh, get um... To get that card up uh, and let's go to kevin and peace and john kevin thank you prince hey thanks guys uh, i
8: appreciate you all obviously and uh, i want to thank you for the space um question for m kind of is basically like what you're referring back to what you were speaking of as regards to how to explain and move forward we all know what's going on what would your advice be to address friends family neighbors. Like it seems like an extreme topic to a lot of people. And um they don't want to hear it. So I'm I'm I am i wanna, i want to I I tell them, but I, I'm just curious how, your thoughts on that if possible.
6: Thank you, Kevin. Uh that's a good question and it hits uh right home. I actually take it personally. I lost my own mother to disinformation, and I lost a couple of dear friends to disinformation as well. And not uh, Russian disinformation per se, because there are several campaigns going out there uh, that target uh, different stratas or strata and target different demographics and and target different systems of belief and uh, different ideologies and different age groups and whatnot. From someone who's been working on disinformation for more than 11 years... I can tell you that there's no cerebral bullet. Most of the time, sadly, and this is a reflection of the human condition, is when you try to address this problem head-on, you get negative results and you get counterproductive results. You get more people, especially if they are close to you, and especially if they have. Again, this is this is a, this is a very difficult topic because sometimes it's it's just genetic disposition. Not just uh, being ill-informed or lacking critical thinking or lacking uh, mental faculties. Sometimes it's just genetic disposition to believe in, to buy into conspiracy theories and believe uh, alternative, alternative realities, right? The only thing you can do is that you can con- continue to put out the proper message that you believe. I said it before and I will say it again. Dedicate one hour of your day. You have a Twitter account, you have a Facebook account, you have an Instagram account, whatever. Even LinkedIn. Although I wouldn't advise anyone to uh, put out political uh, content on LinkedIn. You should stay uh, neutral on LinkedIn because that's how you can get recruited and how you can make a living. And we don't want people to lose jobs over their political decisions and their political affiliations, which is a very sad reality of the world we live in. You can... Curate a timeline of what you deem as decent fact coming from reputable forces. uh, You can dedicate one hour of your time to create a timeline of articles, opinion pieces that you stand by. And you know what? The main and the best and the classy and the nice way to do this is to always be kind, always be gentle, and always be unafraid if you have an opinion voice if you find an article coherent enough aligned with what you think is true aligned with your political affiliation and beliefs share leave a proper comment engage with people kindly i know that i'm the last one to say that i'm quite known for my holding grudges and for shutting down certain narratives on this space but that's the only way to do it when it comes to friends and family and you know what again This comes from uh, my own cultural and religious background. We have a verse in Quran that says, You don't guide whom you love, but God guides whoever he desires. But if we take it in the philosophical uh, way and avoid going ideological and religious, you really can't control that. It's something that is completely out of your control. The only way to engage is to hold your ground try to display as many facts as you know as you trust try to highlight the opinions that you deem decent do it kindly do it nicely and always 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 never be afraid to say i was wrong if you were wrong consistency in displaying the right position and the righteous cause is key the nobility of the cause stems from the nobility of the means that you're using to highlight and advance and protect the cause so in short
8: noble hope kind engagement and noble hope i just want to step in real quick and say thank you so much that i missed some of it because i dropped down but that was an incredible answer and um basically your perspective is giving us at least i can speak for people from the united states an incredible amount of knowledge, and I appreciate for that. I'll drop down. Thank, you. thank you, Kevin. Thank,
2: hey, Kevin. Uh, Kafeli, do we have you now? If if yes, go ahead. Thank you.
9: Uh, I'm sorry I could not uh, respond early. Um, but uh, I wanted to address that uh, narrative that Russia has increased, uh, you know, it uh, rocket attacks on Ukraine. Well, yes, it did, but there is, an underlying story here at the same time while they are increasing the rocket attacks on Ukraine they are also increasing other kind of attacks from the uh Ministry of Foreign Affairs um about same day issued a statement that uh, essentially saying that they want you know ceasefire And they want talks and Ukraine must accept the reality like territorial of the situation. And what what is it telling me is that to understand Russia's behavior, you need to look at behavior of a gamble. You know, yes, comparing to, say, the day before yesterday where they launched 10 rockets, maybe they launched 40 today or maybe it was 25. And now it looks like they've increased. But the real question here is how much they have left. And we know that they could not have left much, at least the ones that are kind of, uh, do not, uh, you know, fall halfway through, uh, do not go back, do not explode uh, while at launch, etc. Uh, so we can discount pretty much the junk rockets they have. But the ones that can really that can do it. damage. And by the way, they spent like a super expensive caliber missile to kill a three-year-old girl and cut a leg off her mom. And uh, that's uh, inhuman. That's uh, that's totally crazy. If you want, who would do that? It looks like you know uh, when you see a sign that final liquidation. Everything must go. And it looks like Putin behaves like there is no tomorrow. And he is right. There is no tomorrow for Russia in this form. So it's final liquidation. Everything must go and everything will go, it looks like. But uh, that doesn't change. the. That shouldn't change our approach. Russia can only fire the missile they have. And we should have a pretty good idea of how much they have left because the one they have it's we gave it to them. It's our chips, it's our technology, um, it's uh, we should have a pretty good idea of how much is left. And if anybody knows anything about gamblers, they do not have much. But most importantly, they will try to they will do use their last rock and their last to create impression that they have limitless supply of both, but this is not true. this is lie, and this is disinformation campaign and how do I know that? Well, a couple of days ago he went to Turkmenistan he hasn't been to Turkmenistan for fifteen years because like he did not care about Turkmenistan, and it's not really a first great like if you have an option to meet. You know, to travel to France and Germany like almost every month. Why would you care to go to Turkmenistan? But these days he can't go to Germany. Uh, He can't go anywhere. So he goes to Turkmenistan. And you know what? Today Turkmenistan banned all Russian media. It happened today. A few days after. And what does he tell you? And, And remember the table. Like everybody was impressed that Putin was seeing Macron on the table that was like, could not see an end of it. And when he came to Turkmenistan, he was having a meeting on the table that was four times bigger than the, the one he, he met Macron. And today, Turkmenistan banned all Russian media. What is, it, what is it telling you? Well, he's losing his grip, he's losing his influence, he's losing his shirt and he will soon lose his life. And uh, Turkmenistan has a lot of gas, and they would love to. They would absolutely love to sell all that gas to anybody who is willing to buy it. All they need is a small pipeline, maybe a third of size of Nord Stream under the Caspian to uh, connect them to already existing pipeline, which has about which can be increasing capacity by 50% which is azerbaijan turkey i mean there is plenty of gas and there are plenty of companies and countries willing to sell the gas so do not fear putin is playing his last this is his uh, um he he's running out or whatever you know they are his propaganda doesn't work anymore at least it doesn't work with Turkmenistan. By the way, Azerbaijan now also demanded. They said that Russia pledged to force Armenian troops to withdraw from occupied Azerbaijani territories, which is, in fact, occupied Azerbaijani territories. But Russia never did anything about it. And that's why Armenia was so quiet during, you know, that meeting in St. Petersburg, because uh, Armenia is in a hard place right now, but does not change the fact that Russia, uh, Russian and Azerbaijani relations will, will continue uh, to deteriorate because, again, Azerbaijan also sells oil and gas and sells them to the West. And uh, they would love to increase um, that uh, those shipments too. So Russia is losing its grip. It is losing its influence. it is losing uh, I- idiots uh, that are still that can still be useful for it. It is losing people willing to go and die for Putin. It is losing its rockets, it's losing its army, it's losing the war. Uh, all we need to stay the course. And ideally, we should be giving more to Ukraine right now. And we did give more, uh, like MR uh, those MRLS systems. They they work very well. Uh, would be ideally we should uh, also help them with targets. We are probably helping them, but we need more. You know, we need to have as many so that these uh, high value assets are not staying idle, waiting for targets. You know, they should have. I think for, uh, in the beginning, they have a long list of those because they had uh, a lot of time to collect all those targets. They were the post that Russians put up like for Europe. But uh, but uh, probably going forward, they will get more help to acquire those targets. It can be difficult. Um, it can be, yeah, uh, quite difficult thing to do. So let's stay the course. Let's not buy Russian narratives that they have limit- li- limitless resources because they don't. Especially the targets they can launch from uh, from sea. And by the way, just so that we know, um, one destroyer, like U.S. just added two destroyers. Uh, they are located in Spain, right? Like one of that destroyer can destroy half of Russian black and the other one can destroy the other half. Like all we need, honestly, is to put those destroyers in Black Sea, not in space. And this war can, like, can be over in um, in a matter of days, not months. But I understand there is no, not enough.